Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Climate change is causing sea levels to rise, and it's going to affect all of us in the Bay Area. It could affect how we get around, how we get to the shoreline that everybody loves. It can even mess up our infrastructure. And if there's one place that knows this and is setting an example for what to do about it, it's East Palo Alto. The element of care and like having it be like a bottom to the top approach instead of always top down is sort of what impressed me about East Palo Alto. Today, what East Palo Alto can teach the Bay Area about dealing with the effects of climate change. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Kevin Stark, KQED climate reporter. What exactly is happening to the Bay when we talk about sea level rise? We know that the oceans are warming, so the water itself is expanding. And that could cause high tide levels to rise. We also know that around the world, mountain glaciers are melting. And that water is going eventually out to the ocean. And that's just like, you know, pouring water into a bathtub. You know, we're talking about on the short term through 2050, maybe about two feet of sea level rise in the Bay Area. San Francisco, Mission Bay, down in the South Bay, Santa Clara, all of these places could see pretty significant flooding from just two feet of sea level rise. But then after 2050, things get really wild. You know, you could see upwards of of six, seven feet, all the way to 10 to 12 feet of sea level rise by the end of the century. I think this should really be top of mind for really anyone in the Bay Area because it's gonna, in one way or another, touch everyone's life. Okay, so, so this issue affects all of us in the Bay, like you said, but you and your fellow climate reporter, Ezra David Romero, spent time looking into how East Palo Alto is dealing with sea level rise. Why is East Palo Alto so important to understanding how sea level rise will affect the whole Bay Area? A couple reasons. The first is East Palo Alto already sees a lot of flooding, and 
with rising sea levels, it's going to be one of the first places in the bay that really starts to see inundation from climate change. So that's, that's a big deal. And, and East Palo Alto itself is really small. It's two and a half square miles. And so this is, without being hyperbolic, really an existential threat for the city. And then the other thing is East Palo Alto is really a place where the Bay Area can do a lot to protect the entire region. It's really a linchpin for adaptation. All right, Ezra David Romero, I want to bring you in here. Can you talk a little bit about East Palo Alto? Like, where is it located in the Bay and who lives there? Well, East Palo Alto is a city of about 30,000. It's between Highway 101 and Dumbarton Bridge, just this community of a lot of people of color there. And it's a working class community. Um, People who live there, you know, have multiple unit family homes. It's just this like vibrant place where there's a lot of culture going on and huge ties to the Bay Area there. So why is East Palo Alto particularly vulnerable to the issue of sea level rise then? One of the things is that there's a bridge there called Dumbarton Bridge, which connects the East Bay and the South Bay together. And with sea level rise, you have the community there that's at risk, but you also have infrastructure and millions of cars that pass through there um, that if sea level rise overtakes part of that bridge, um, it'll impact how you travel around the Bay Area. And then there's also PG&E and other infrastructure there. There's a water line that comes from Hetch Hetchy that supplies water to the region as well. So there's so much going on right there in this one place. And then there's 30,000 people there who are who don't want their homes flooded as well. So East Palo Alto is mostly homes. And the homes run right out into the marshes. And so on the north end of the city, there's this really substantial marsh. And the Bay Area doesn't have a lot of marshes left, but there's a really big one that's right here at East Palo Alto. East Palo Alto is surrounded by water. It's got the creek and then the bay on three sides. And it's small enough that it is kind of like a bathtub situation, where if you had, you're going to have flooding that's coming in from, from the creek, you're also going to have flooding that's coming in from the north and the, the east from the bay itself. There's already been a ton of flooding in East Palo Alto. The biggest one possibly was in 1998, this huge flood that happened there. You know, people were seeing about four feet of flooding in their homes. The streets were packed with water and it destroyed a lot of people's lives and property. This issue is very emotional to my, to me. I met a couple in East Palo Alto who's been there since the mid seventies and they went through that 1998 flood and a couple other floods there. My name is Mama D. Uhila Moilangi. I am from the island of Samoa. They go by Papa Senta and Mama D. The kids in their neighborhood gave them those names. My name is Senta Uhila Moilangi, and I'm uh, from the island of Tonga. Been living here in Ispalato for almost 40 years. We went through the good, the bad, and the ugly. They emigrated there because of a number of things, because of economics in Samoa, but a huge part was because of violent weather that was happening there with cyclones and tsunamis and things like that. They wanted to escape that. The hurricane, earthquake, oh. Tsunami. And tsunami. And, uh, and, and then we lived through there, as Mama D said, there's no outlet for us to speak or a platform where we can talk and get it out in. But when they got to East Palo Alto, they realized 
they're living with some of the same impacts there. Maybe not as devastating where everything is torn up by a cyclone, but there's flooding in their streets. And so how did those experiences with flooding in East Palo Alto change their lives and what they do? I think it took a long time for this couple to get really active around flooding and climate change. Talking with Mama D was sort of very imaginative when she told me that the flood water was coming down their street, you know, that she was really happy and she like went swimming in it because it reminded her of home. I said, look, I can't swim. That's the only skill I have. I came from me in the island. But then she had this feeling of like, oh God, it's gonna flood my house. It's gonna ruin everything. We did not have a shelter. No um, signal, uh, the, the San Francisco Creek was not fixed. And they went through that multiple times in different floods, I think three or four times since they've lived there. Their daughter was telling me that they had to replace all the things in their house. They were a couple with multiple children, grandchildren, just trying to make it in East Palo Alto with jobs and life. And then over time, they got involved because of a woman there named Violet Saena. And I'm the executive director for Climate Resilient Communities and she told them about climate change. A lot of people have, you know, lived experience with climate extremes like flooding. They talk about drought. Um, they talk about um, the extreme cold, you know, the, the variability of the climate these days. But when you do ask them about climate change, they don't really connect those two things. She told them that this flooding is linked to climate change and that it's expected to get a lot worse. I can talk to Violet without fear. I can talk to Violet, ask questions that may be questions like, sounds like uh, stupid questions, dumb questions, but I always have a answer from Violet. And yet I grew up in the islands and I did not know any of these things exist. And through this like person-to-person education, um, they realized like they have to become like full-time climate ambassadors. And now what they do is they go out into the community, they give out food, they give shoes and things like that, but they partner it with the message of climate change is happening. And let's meet your basic needs, but let's also talk to you about the long-term needs that need to be met and how we can reshape life here in East Palo Alto because you know people there are dealing with economic woes and socioeconomic things, but they're also dealing with flooding and things that are going to affect their children and grandchildren into the future. The parents come and short out the clothes, you know, organize it. The kids come and start backing them up, you know. We do music, the parents come, we play music with them, we sing with them, we dance with them, and then in the same time we educate them. Kevin, if people in East Palo Alto are so concerned about sea level rise, what are people actually doing about it? They're doing a lot. Starting with the community, Ezra and I, through reporting this, 
talked to a range of different organizations that are leading classes, they're doing workshops, they're uh, bringing people from the community into conversation with, you know, officials and scientists and policymakers. Uh, one of the groups, Nuestra Casa, is, is interesting. They have this model set up where it's basically you bring the scientists in and the policymakers in, and you kind of translate their language so that people on the ground can engage with it. And then you also, at the same time, give people, regular residents, a chance to give their input to the policymakers. On a high level, the city is, is really pretty far along in terms of planning for rising sea levels. After that 1998 flood, the city, working with its neighbors, re-engineered this levee that was along the creek, uh, which is at the south end of the, the city, along the San Francisco Creek. I mean, it has been one piece at a time. I mean, this is a 20-year-in-the-making project. I mean, this was inundated, right? I, I had friends here who had four feet of water in their living room. Ezra and I went there, we met the mayor of the city, Carlos Romero, uh, and he pulled up on a mountain bike. It was pretty amazing, just biked out onto the levee. Which are basically these piles that have been driven in like 20, uh, uh, 30 feet, and then on top there's a concrete cap. And somewhat ugly, but they protect the city, right? They protect, you know... The, and uh, was able to just kind of walk us through the sort of the vision, how he got involved in this what the city has done already and what the city is planning on doing. And that includes widening in some places, increasing the height of the embankment in other places, removing two bridges and replacing those bridges with new bridges that have greater capacity. Um, he was really frank about the challenges the city has faced, uh, the difficulties it's had, but also the successes that they've had. We had to say, what can we reasonably do now with the money we can actually get. You know, nothing is impossible. We're still looking at, you know, 30 years from tw to, to 2050. When I talked to the group that's gonna build this system of levees around East Palo Alto, they said this next phase is going to happen a lot faster because the community got involved, because the community said, hey, we really want our, our part of the town protected first. So yeah, they said it wouldn't have happened so fast or by 2024 or 2030 if the community hadn't been involved. I think that's one really cool part about the work that the community organizing that's going on in East Palo Alto is you have folks uh, that have been working on this for a couple decades who, you know, experienced the 1998 flood. And then you have really young people. People think that over in California, we don't get floods, we don't get tsunamis and things like that. I spoke with one of them, Helena Grew, who's you know, 17-year-old, a high school student in East Palo Alto. And, you know, just in being out in the community, going to meetings, being with friends and family, just like in the world, she's really gotten activated on this issue. And I think she has become this voice uh, for coming up with some kind of plan. Especially my family, we live like on the last street onto where the ocean is, like in the map that they made, which I was like um, looking at, like we're like the first couple of houses that it'll reach. So we're like in definitely in the danger zone. And you know, she loves the city. She wants to stay there. She wants to be involved for a long time. And I think it's kind of frustrated that she's inherited the situation where she could be facing a city that's transformed by uh, climate change. Kevin, it sounds like East Palo Alto is doing a lot to address the threat of sea level rise. Is it gonna be enough? 
So East Palo Alto and its neighbors, uh, you know, Palo Alto, Menlo Park, some of the businesses and others that are in the area have banded together to deal with the creek problem. So that's one area, and I think that's actually sort of a model for what needs to happen around the entire bay. The bay is one connected ecosystem. You know, here you have a group of cities essentially that are working together to make sure that, that they're all protected, but that needs to happen everywhere. There is not really an agency that has the authority to say, you East Palo Alto, you San Francisco, you Marin County, you Oakland, you all need to coordinate this protections. To put what Kevin's talking about in a perspective a little bit, I've been doing research and making this spreadsheet of all the different water agencies and cities that need to be involved in a regional collaborative. And I'm at like 150 players right now. There's a lot of different people, cities, community groups, water agencies that are all part of this, that have some sort of access to the bay. So it's a very complex issue. If a regional collaborative or something like that doesn't happen, you're going to have a piecemeal approach around the Bay Area. You'll have the one shoreline group who wants to protect all of San Mateo County will have this, but then you might have the airport, you know, with a seawall, and, and that actually might make water go towards a place like East Palo Alto, and that could inundate their levees. You know, that's an example, and you could have that around the entire Bay Area. So there needs to be this regional approach because it's an issue of equity. You know, it's an issue of, of like all the people in the Bay Area, you know, having the same protection because like not one community should have more service than the other one or safety from sea level rise. You're both climate reporters. You've both been spending a lot of time on this story, getting to know East Palo Alto and also just thinking about the issue of sea level rise around the Bay Area. What's the most important thing that you've learned throughout your reporting? And maybe, Kevin, I'll start with you. I first started reporting on rising sea levels you know, a decade ago. And I think at the time, I don't know if it had fully it settled in for me, just like the extent of transformation that could happen. The Bay Area that I know could be totally transformed. And I think there is an interesting opportunity here because the San Francisco Bay communities are so engaged on this issue. There's a lot of trust in science and that we could have a situation in where we have we've learned to live with water in some ways. I've been reporting on climate impacts for eight years now. It started out with drought, and then it was on wildfire, and then it was both. Um, less on sea level rise. And, you know, I've noticed over these years that so many of the solutions are these top-down approaches, you know, where, like, the government says, we're going to do these things, we're going to send water, we're going to have you apply for this aid, and that's how you're going to get help, Right. What I noticed in East Palo Alto is that there's this community-led group that's all about care. It's about like caring for your neighbor. It's about caring for the existence of someone who lives near you. And I think that's what impressed me so much about East Palo Alto and the story there, that there's this sort of like care from like agency to people, from the city and back and forth and back and forth that's happening. And it's resulting in this project that's gonna protect this like underserved community. And I, what, who comes back into my mind when I think of that is Mama D. My heart is in East Palo Alto. She told me that 
when they had a Polynesian climate change group and she was able to go there and to learn from another Polynesian person that what climate change was doing to, to their lives and how it relates to them, but in her own language, in the words she uses, um, and from someone who looks like her, that changed everything. So I think the element of care and like having it be like a bottom to the top approach instead of always top down is sort of what impressed me about East Palo Alto. This is where the action is. No one alone can fight this climate change. People need to come together. Kevin and Ezra, thank you both so much for spending time with us. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I asked Ezra and Kevin what you could do if you want to get involved in climate advocacy here in the Bay Area. And they said you could do things like join a climate rally, talk to your kids or family about climate change, call your elected officials about climate issues that you care about. And finally, you can follow the group Bay Adapt that's looking at regional solutions to our rising sea levels. We'll leave you a link to that group in our show notes. Thanks to KQED climate reporters Ezra David Romero and Kevin Stark. KQED's Science Desk reported a whole series on sea level rise in East Palo Alto. This series is part of the Pulitzer Center's Nationwide Connected Coastlines Reporting Initiative. This episode was mixed and edited by Alan Montecilio and Erica Cruz Cavara. Shailen Martos is our production assistant. Issa Mendoza writes our Friday newsletter. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us to you. Talk to you later. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.